Whoa, this music cut out. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> what is this, Rudy Giuliani's podcast? Right. What the hell? What up, everybody? <laughs> Got a great one today. That's right. That's right, brother. I gotta tell you, I'm close we to drop. Right, that's true. You know, we always talk about how well these uh, conservatives monetize with the slot buckets and the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know the nootropics. Uh, gold, like Iraqi them. dinar, uh, <laughs> cryptocurrencies that immediately are just a, a rug pull. So I'm close to finally making my own product. You're gonna make your own slot bucket. I've been thinking, you know, Alex Jones. He's got, he's got everything. I am close to dropping my own. Hell yeah, brother! Let's poison Consumable. the Consumable, made by Ethan. Not yet approved by the FDA, but it will be. Right? I'm not gonna say what it is, but you guys tried it. Yeah, we did. Should I just say what it is? No, I would wait. I don't know. <laughs> But I'm passionate awesome. about it. <laughs> this is purely an <laughs> Ethan endeavor, man. Like this man, is you're 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 making you're lab. making a meme bucket. It's almost no, it's not a slot bucket. It's a real product. It's so, a passion project. He's so this you're, crazy Israeli clown comedian. Shut the fuck up! I'm being serious, Jordan. God, Jordan's coming after you. I'm just gonna say. I'll say. It. I'm gonna say it. Say it. I'm making today. I am here to announce that I am closing in on the final formulation. Here today at slotbucket.com slash Ethan on a product I like to call movement, which is essentially a ripoff of Metamucil. What? Uh, what? I don't even know what Metamucil is. Most people under 60 don't. What is a Metamucil? It's a powder you take that helps digestion. It's made of Oh, it's for shitting. It's, for, it's literally for... Dude, you should take less of that. Actually, <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever recommended that you should take less whatever because I'm looking at it right now it's No, it tightens your shit. Or it's it a fiber. It. It's a fiber supplement. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely should take less of you that think so bro You literally I, what maybe do you mean it, you, you maybe shit it, breaks for like 15 minutes but, but for me, it's I'm passionate about it. And I'll tell you why it's because Pistillium husk like that has been proven I'm shitting my pants. Lower cholesterol, to uh -huh. lower blood sugar spikes, to fill you up. Yeah, I mean it's fiber. It's fiber. It makes sense. It's I take I take fiber. fiber. I take fiber supplements, or movement. I used to take fiber supplements. Movement. Hey, hey. I I love fiber supplements. I used to take fiber supplements. I still do sometimes when I when I you get am constipated. No, but I eat a lot of greens. Okay. I I eat a salad pretty much every meal, like okay. with a shitload of protein on it. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really matter to me. But I I still take like Smart Sweets, which are fiber gummies. They're they're gummies, but with a lot of fiber in them. Gummies yeah. with fiber? Oh please! You should you should be kissing my butthole because the amount the amount of ice shit actually just shows it works. I got the golden butthole. I mean I I, I have I have a really I have a really good shitting schedule. Nice and tight. It's it's firm. It's perfect. Like, same every day. It's it's the same every day. It's wow. at the same time every day, and mm -hmm. um, depending it's not on very how girthy, tight. Nice depending on how much depending on how much I eat. Like if I overeat, yeah, 
if I don't eat the same thing, if I overeat, then like I'll I'll usually go to the bathroom twice or maybe even sometimes three times in the three morning. Three times? Like three separate In days. the morning, all in the morning. All in the morning, and then we're good to go. Yeah, my my BMs have never been, uh, I can never get them on a schedule, man. They're just chaos. It's just chaos. Well, I think it's because your body's a machine, Ethan. Thank you. And not just like, no, I didn't mean like, I didn't mean like your body specifically. That's how I heard it. Just, I meant in general, your body is a machine. And so your input and your output are going to be relatively stable for that reason, right? Like, if you eat crazy... Uh, if you if you eat like different shit all the time, at different times, uh, and and you know you have big meals, small meals, all that sort of stuff, then your your you know your movement internally is gonna mm-hmm. reflect that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure, I did yeah. a terrible job of describing that. I know what you're saying, but I'm not hearing it. You know what I mean? Just not. Yeah. Re- I'm not hearing it. Science is gay. That's kind of where I. That's at. also true, though. <laughs> unless you're doing, unless you're doing like bro science, which is gym related. In okay, which so case, it's very straight. <laughs> Listen, we gotta kind of cut to the chase here. Great to see you, son. Thanks for being here in our twenty kajillion great. dollar bunker. Great to be here. Um, today we're having a call in from the great, esteemed Professor Richard Wolf. Yes. Oh, you calling the wolf? Yeah. Yes, we're calling the wolf. Dick Wolf. He Famously, is. <laughs> his side project is Law and Order series. Right? Great which work. Is really Love cool. His work. I hope yeah. you guys have a bunch of Law and Order questions because you know we <laughs> That's do. actually all I put in the doc. I have so many questions about Stabler and uh, Munch. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna be like, right. why do you do so much propaganda? Like, if you're a Marxist. Okay, all hold on, guys. Stuff. Richard Belzer, the guys, goat. guys, I got to keep it on the rails because he's calling in at 10:45. That's 15 minutes, and we only have him for an hour. Yeah. So we got 15 minutes here to show some good shit. Okay. I'm I, I I'd like to point out I'm very excited to to hang with Dick. To yeah. hang to hang Dick. Um uh he is I mean he's he's very important for a lot of uh the most annoying people online that were like I'm gonna graduate from looking at socialism memes to like learn a little bit about it. Mm. So like his lectures are available on YouTube all over. But but all jokes aside, I think he's great. He's a he's a very good communicator of Marxist uh, awesome. concepts. So well, I I am excited to talk to him. Actually, I think it's a good idea to use this fifteen minutes here to intro him a little bit, so we don't have to waste time when he's on. Well, the phone. before we do that, how about yeah. you have my boy on yesterday? Most oh yeah, Bryce. Bryce. Me and Bryce are dogs. You're, I to- he's such a nice guy, yeah, right? He's a sweet guy. He's I know. I know him. He, look this this year or this past year for me, Bryce. Uh, and and Mike uh, as well, Big Mike. Yeah, Mike's a good two guy people too. that I like would have never thought I would ever like talk to, <laughs> never thought I would be friends with, never thought like thought they were douchebags, you know, mm-hmm. from afar. Mm-hmm. Judged a book by its cover, and I was wrong. You know, Bryce is a he's an interesting guy. There's a Bradley lot. Bradley Martin too, actually. Yeah, well, Brad Bradley's a sweetheart. I had a feeling he would, you know, he comes off as a sweetie pie. But Bryce, to me, he's a young man, but he's been through a lot. He grew up without a father. He was bullied in high school, like severely. Uh, he told me he used to eat his lunch in a stall by himself. Apparently, a few of these losers also did that. I didn't know that was a thing. Not me. I have friends. That's crazy. That's a that's a thing that people, I mean I, yeah, I went yeah. to high school in Turkey so I don't know. He said no, it shocked me too. I never heard of it. He Dude. said he used to go into every day during lunch and eat in the stall by himself. I like I wasn't exactly popping in high school. Like I don't know how to describe 
my experiences in high school through the lens of an American high school, but uh, I, I'll just say it like this. I drew so much. That's all I did. Every class, I would just sit there and draw. Do you ever draw titties and jerk off to them? Yes, I have done I've that. Heard, I've never done that, but I've heard from yeah. friends who did that. Okay, listen, first of all, uh, porn is banned. Porn is banned in Turkey. What do you want me to do? Did, like, you ever, did you ever draw one that was, like, really good, so you saved it for later? Or did you start new? No, because I was always really bad. Like, I would draw... I, I'm Rats. so... I would used to be so good at drawing, like, fucking big burly dudes from video games and, like, animes and shit. Right. So whenever I tried to draw women, it, like, the, pers the, the perspective was off. Okay. Like they were, they were more titty than than person. <laughs> right, right. Well, so, that is kind of anime. Yeah, and I just, I, I kind of failed at it a little bit. Um, but I guess I wasn't horny enough to like get better at it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, yeah. Well, anyway, Bryce, and then he, Bryce did this really incredible thing for me. Um, uh, Ryan Kavanaugh's bestie, Brad the Bull, the guy who rails his ex-wife now, ex-wife. Um, you called know in. so much about this dude's he life. He called in, bro, and he the minute he saw my face, he was like, fuck me, bro. Like, he was so upset. And Ryan Kavanaugh also called in during the show. He answered it. I heard his voice, and he's like, yo, I'm on the show. I'm live right now. I can't talk. He's like, okay, call me back. But that would all happen live. So you're besties with him, and you're stealing him from, from Ryan. That's what I, I think Ryan's going to perceive it that way. Yeah. I mean, I like I like Bryce. <laughs> yeah. I think he's a nice. He's a nice kid. Yeah, he's awesome. It was it was a good time. Yeah, and so um, before so as we're on the heels of uh, the heels, the precipice of the wolf call. Here's the video that I saw on TikTok that made me wonder who was this guy. This is one of the uh, because I, I'm so fucking tired of seeing Jordan Peter's pseudo intellectualism, and it's hard. Like he keeps going on like. Neo Marx, Neo, Neo, Mar Neo Marxist postmodernist. Yeah, yeah. Neo Marxism postmodernist. Like, bitch, I know that the dummies that watch your shit don't have any idea what you're talking about, and I'm pretty sure you don't have any idea what you're talking about. So, yes. Richard Wolf, that's his um, specialty, is uh, economics and specifically like Marxism, right? Uh,. Yes. Are you talking about Richard Wolf? Yes. R Sorry, I was literally opening up a new Google Doc, so I have my, before I forget, like, I was trying to write down some of the questions that I have for him. Okay. Uh, that I have collected in my mind. Apologies for that. Richard Wolf is a, is a famous Marxian economist. Obviously, there aren't that many of them out there, which is... They've uh, all been hunted. Well, no, literally. I mean, yeah. McCarthyism is, like, a, a, a big part of why this is, like, a, a very contentious subject, even though it shouldn't be. Um, He's which, Luke Skywalker. You know, we'll we'll get mm -hmm. into a little bit, but like, you'll see a lot more. You'll see a lot more Marxists or some kind of socialist in other departments. Um, usually, sociology, maybe philosophy. Uh, not necessarily so in philosophy, but um, rarely ever in the e economy side of things because. Uh, the the uh, economics departments and the finance departments have a uh, have a neoclassical e economics uh, stronghold. So they consider anything beyond that, like the furthest I guess quote unquote left you'll go in neoclassical economics is is uh, Keynesian economics, mm -hmm. and beyond that it's considered like 
uh, unorthodox, not real, magic, alchemy. You know what I mean? Well, so so that that is, I think, the unique part of this. He's but he's highly tenured. I mean, he was a economics professor at Yale. He has, yeah. he has a crazy uh, um, pedigree. Anyway, here he is uh, reacting to some of Jordan's absolute nonsense. This is one of the things that's so great about the way the Americans set up their political system. Because if through the magic of the internet, it is possible for me to respond to some things that were said by a Canadian psychologist by the name of Jordan Peterson, who teaches at the University I love of that, Toronto. I love that he had to preface this by like, through, only through the magic of yeah. the internet. Yeah, it's, it's called a duet, uh, Professor. Talking about the psychology he teaches or that he preaches, because that's not my area of expertise, just as it's clear that Marxism is not his. However, he has made statements about Marxism, despite not knowing very much about it, as is evident from what he says. Uh, and in, these have included daring Marxists to debate with him, just for the record, anytime, anywhere, as long as we can work out the details, uh, no problem at this end. By the way, an aside, four years ago, they were supposed to debate Jordan and, and Professor Wolf. Yeah. Um, and then Jordan bitched out and demanded $50,000 from a small university philosophy department to host the debate after it had already been uh, arranged. So that's He's actually not coward. surprising. He because is a giant coward. No, here's what, here's what they do. Gina. Right-wing commentators do this all the time, and in most circumstances, it's not like the Young Republicans Club that actually has that kind of money, mm -hmm. but it's actually donors of the university, alumni that are right-wing and want Ben Shapiro to go to that college to, you know, I guess, uh, educate the youth that will facilitate that. They will usually pay him. Like, that, that speaker's fee is actually on the lower end, from what I understand. 50? Yes, uh, now, obviously, this was many, many years ago, so I don't know. He might have he might have been suggesting that simply to duck out like the coward that he is. I guess it, I could see it both ways. But you're right in that, like, Ben Shapiro is not going to fucking go out of the kindness of his heart and talk to some kids. No, these guys don't do that. People. Yeah. 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 No, that's not a, that that's not a thing. That is interesting. So we don't we don't get those fat, juicy checks here on the left. Not that I would have anything to tell a university, but he certainly would. Yeah, when I, I mean, every time I've ever uh, been invited to a college campus or anything like I've that, like that, I've always done it for free. Like, uh, there's no, paid. I've never, I guess, with the exception of Politicon, which was debates, uh, I've never gotten paid for a speaking engagement. That's it. That's why I expect, right? It's almost like a community service. You're going to talk to the kids. Yeah, but for the right, it's actually, and, and not even just the right. Like Hillary Clinton makes a lot of money doing this. Like politicians well, that do it. makes sense in a way yeah it, i mean it's just like uh it's like you know so anyway do Hillary uh, doesn't have anything going on that's worth seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for once no 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 like what don't. the fuck but what's funny is that jordan challenged him to a debate he accepted and then he bitched out and said i need 50k but anyway here it is so what is it that's wrong with what mr peterson has to say about marxism well it's partly that he's recycling old cold war stuff the Cold War was over in 1989. Most of us have moved on around the <laughs> <Yeah>. world. Mr. <laughs> Peterson seems to be stuck. 
and he's stuck with one of the oldest kinds of arguments imaginable, telling us that we should not be interested in Marxism. In fact, it's kind of immoral, in his words, to be interested in Marxism, in view of what Stalin did in Soviet Russia. Well, okay, Stalin did terrible things in Soviet Russia. However, Marxism exists in every country on the face of the earth. It's been going on for 150 years, and a lot more than what happened in Russia under Stalin over a period of 15 or 20 years has to be taken into account if you're going to make an assessment of Marxism. To use the one example that is really horrible over there as the judgment on Marxism would be about the same sense as saying Christianity should be dismissed because of the Catholic Inquisition or the destruction of the Native American population by Christians or the Holocaust against Jews, gays, uh, and, and so forth by Christians in Germany and on and on and on. Two world wars by capitalist Christian countries fighting each other might all qualify for the kinds of argument Mr. Peterson makes. We don't make those kinds of arguments because they make no sense and Mr. Peterson ought to do that with Marxism. The only other thing to say is he seems to reduce Marxism, when he actually talks about it, to the problem of inequality, that some people are rich and others are poor, and he deals with that by the very sophisticated notion that poor people's anger at rich is their envy of the success. Uh, this is an insult to those folks who are critical of inequality, but apparently Mr. Peterson doesn't worry about that. So let's respond. Inequality is indeed a social problem but it has nothing particularly to do with Marxism. People have been talking about the problem of inequality for thousands of years before there ever was a Karl Marx or a Marxism. The whole point of Marxism was to explain why inequality under capitalism didn't go away. And let's remind everybody, capitalism comes into the world in the French and American revolutions talking about being better than feudalism because under capitalism you see we are free we are equal we are democratic and all the rest of it capitalism was to bring in the words of the french revolution liberty equality and fraternity well as you know and i know and even mr peterson must know we have capitalism we sure do but we don't have freedom equality and fraternity not even close Mr. Peterson's own speech is an indication of that. So the Marxists have always said, why is that? Why do we not have the equality that capitalism promised? And the answer is in the analysis of capitalism, the way in which capitalism organizes society with employers and employees, the kind of parallel to lords and serfs and masters and slaves, such that the employees produce the wealth that the capitalists get into their hands, thereby becoming wealthier while the mass of the working people are excluded from the very surplus their creativity puts on this earth. In other words, there's an explanation. If Mr. Peterson understood that, his critique of capitalism might address that explanation. Okay, Instead, pause it for a second. Acts as though there is no explanation. <laughs> so, Wolfpack. So you watched a fucking five-minute TikTok video? I well, yeah, dude, I watched this whole thing. That's insane, dog. And I was like, this guy fucking rules, dude. Okay. TikTok, just shows how good he is. And five and, minutes on TikTok is entirely too long. And I I will be the first to say it. I actually, I'm gonna disagree with you. I've been watching longer TikTok videos, and I like actually, them. I, I, I have too, cause like, <coughs> I use TikTok when I'm pooping. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. And it's actually it's actually great when like there's like a five minute one, so you can just like let it run. And then not have to touch your phone. Right. But I, I find myself, like, when it was a this minute, I'm like, I want so... more of this. When it's like a dude cutting a cow's hoof or something, which is my favorite right now. And you want... That's what you've been watching a lot? Bro, have you seen those, those farriers? I, I have watched them before, yeah. They dig out, like, absence from the yeah. cow's hoof and shit. Pfft, so fucking Didn't I have this conversation with you where I said I've done that to a horse? And I've never cut the hoofs, but, like, you know, cleaning the hoof is, I like, a pretty... one of the things that's so... Pretty basic part of like working on a ranch or just having right you, you were, know, yes you did say riding. that right i guess we've had this conversation and then you said that it that's not the same you're bro like, you're that's not, not a the barrier same. no i'm not i'm yeah. not i've never like i've never actually shaved a hoof or anything like that so then what but, so what's the point of even saying it because because i've cleaned out the hoof though like you clean out the hoof that's just a stick you just t put t take out mud from the horseshoe not a stick these guys are t like you, you surgeons. still clean like i i've i've yeah, you're right. It's just yeah. I polish I mean? it. You know what I mean? Like I've done I've done all that. I've done hoof maintenance. Half maintenance. And grooming. Okay. Okay. But... okay, hoof maintenance. So anyway, um he's the man. Don't take this away from me. <laughs> well, listen, I uh, You're just jealous because you've never touched a hoof. That's dog. like me standing in front of uh, you know No, it's cool, man. You just never you've never touched listen, a hoof. It's fine. I mean, I respect what you do, but I I'm not gonna stand in front of like the Mona Lisa and be like, I could do that. Okay, what? That's not you. <laughs> That's These guys are masters. It really goes to show how you feel about the the, the hoof repair. Doctors, <laughs> they are awesome. They're the, the <laughs> they're doing the Mona Lisa every time. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we I've prepared a bunch of clips. I kind of want to get his take on. He's um, he's the man. I got one. I got a bunch from Jordan. I got some from Dennis Prager. My man. Uh, should we ask about the incest one? Should we cue that up? What's your argument? <laughs> I mean, I have a here's, lot of questions for him. Here's his son riding uh, a horse as uh, a young lad. I have a lot of questions for him. That is literally... I thought you were going to do a meme. No, that's actually me. Bro, the, this it's is so... Yeah, I won. You won? I won that tournament. Yeah. Yeah, I got a ribbon. Are you serious? Yeah. I don't yeah. want to say it, but... Glow up? Gay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I used to. The funniest part about that is I used you to hate. <laughs> I used to hate dressing like that because, like, when you're, especially when you're young, it's like the worst. But you have to. You have to wear a blazer. You have to wear a suit with a tie and everything. I used to hate dressing up like that. And now, How did you, you know, become gay. Now I I do it uh, on my own volition. I wear <sighs> tight tights oh when I'm Lord. working out every day, like compression pants. So, did you own a horse? Yeah your family rich or some shit yeah my family used to be yeah i've talked about this oh a lot. i didn't know that yeah my my uh so I, there's a generational curse oh okay we there's a generational that, curse in both sides of my family they where, lost it all yes okay they okay. they always i remember they always make a lot of money like they have historically always made a lot of money mm -hmm. and then literally went bankrupt by the time their next of kin uh reaches college age which is literally what happened May to me I ask you and what are you afraid that you're going to fall to the same curse? Maybe. I mean, I I am not I, I'm not like it. them. They they're both my grandfather hey. and my dad were like, well, my dad made a lot of like risky, like he just was doing like futures trading and shit, which is so stupid. And uh my my grandfather was just like more so kind of a baller in the sense that he 
He had like one big. He had like one big court case, I think, where he got like a lot of uh, real estate. My great, this is my grandfather who's been dead for many, many years. And then he just basically sold all of those properties and then lived off the money for the rest of his life. You hear that music? What is that? That's the curse music. Bro, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> the third, the third is coming. How would you lose all your money, I wonder? Both. How, how would Hassan go broke? Um, I don't know. I fucking get like Omega canceled or something. Canceled? Yeah, so much so that like I can no longer uh continue to make content, but even then like I don't know. Yeah. We will, the question is will you be able to afford your children a horse? That's kind of the status that we're going for. I will horse not money? do that. I will not do that for my children G anyway cuz like honestly uh I I low key kind of hated it. <laughs> When I was okay, so up. there it you was go. More Fuck like, it. I wanted to play basketball, but my parents, like, this was something that they wanted me to do. So, wow, you could have been a whole different world, you playing basketball. Yeah, you I mean, I, I ended up playing basketball as well, because uh, my horse died. Oh. Yeah. Um, what do you do with the horse when it dies? I don't know. I, I probably glue factory, right? Or Isn't do, what they you make do? It, do you eat it? No. Jerky? No. No, it's just such a big animal, you know. You gotta. What do you do with? There's it? There's a lot of meat. I don't know. I, I think don't they bury her. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know. Okay, so we're we're run out of time. We've, uh, I wanted I'm to talk. So I wanted to talk at least about Rudy Giuliani pulling up a fuck. Is he in the chat, Dan? Yeah. So then let's let's by. do it. We'll we'll do it afterwards. Yeah, we'll have time after. Yeah, we'll have time afterwards. So all right, let me get it set up. One sec. Let's not waste our. Wait, AB has some facts on this. All horses, when they die, must be disposed of immediately with very few exceptions, and they must be delivered to a premise approved for proper collection and disposal. What happens if they're not? It says they must be disposed immediately that, like they're going to raise again. Your dynasty gets cursed, going broke. <laughs> yeah. oh, shit. Generation after generation. Mm. How do you think it happened cursed. to Hassan? Yeah, yeah, but for real, why is it like so? They're like, yo, you better kill You got to get rid of that fast. <laughs> Honestly, the more I think about the generational curse thing, the more I'm like, <laughs> they all lived awesome lives. Like, uh, my my grandparents and my dad, who's still alive, uh, they're they're fine. So I don't even I don't even mind it if that were to happen to me. Uh Professor, hello. Can you see and hello. hear us? Yes, I can hear you fine. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. You know, I have to say I'm a I'm a new fan of yours. I'm I'm a I, I found your content on TikTok. What do you think about that? Well, I'm glad you got in there before the people who want to shut it down to take it away. Okay, that's interesting. What do you think about the TikTok shutdown? That's kind of a good. That's a good. That's you. a good way to start. But yeah. Professor Wolf, watch out. He's he's a liberal. The, the man you're speaking to, uh, he's he's saying he likes your videos, but he's a, he's a big he's a big business owner and a liberal. I'm just letting you know. Okay, well, I'm 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 suitably forewarned. I shall be terribly, terribly careful. Okay, yes. Um, uh, I'll have you know, I'm stealing your labor right now. He's he's All a, right. He's an open-minded one, though. He is an open-minded liberal. Yeah. So, what do you actually? I I I'm um. I find the whole uh, pursuit to shut down TikTok a little bit. Or it's all kind of bad faith, in my opinion. It all seems like a bunch of BS. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, I understand why it's being done. Uh, 
I understand that uh, many of the things that are happening in the economy, which is what I study, uh, have to do with um, a rather desperate effort of the United States to reverse uh, history. Hmm. That doesn't usually work out real well, and I don't expect it's going to work out real well this time either. But it's a way for uh, politicians to pander, and they don't usually miss a chance to doing that if it gives them some advantage. Right. Professor, what would you say to people that... uh... Are, are possibly speculating that this is an effort uh, by uh, big tech to basically use xenophobia to effectively uh, shut out a uh, market competitor that has been really dominant, uh, a market competitor that is not uh, obviously owned by Silicon Valley, that doesn't offer the same backdoors, even though it offers uh, similar uh, backdoors, I would suspect, but not the same ones um, that, uh, that Silicon Valley tech giants would offer. People claim yeah. that this is uh, this is done to er- erode competition. Look, my experience uh, over many many years is that act- actions like this never have one or two causes. They are decisions that are made that meet a bunch of criteria, or if you like, respond to a variety of causes any one of which wouldn't have been enough to make it happen, but it's the whole collection of them that make it happen. So yeah, one of the factors going into the TikTok decision was the convenient way you can have the government favor one competitor over others. It is often arranged by those other competitors to get rid of the one that they don't like or that they can all agree on getting rid of. And so that becomes part uh, of the story. You can see that already, or this helps you figure it out, by going after the Huawei Corporation, which produced last year and the year before things that compete with American companies. So this was a convenient way uh, before the general onslaught against China really got going uh, to, to strike a blow to get some support for sitting politicians from those who benefit by getting rid of Huawei. And same thing with uh, TikTok. It it seems to me that all this kind of boogeyman threat about China harvesting our data seems kind of silly. I I don't know. I'm not a technologist, but it just doesn't, I don't see how that is any bigger of a threat than anyone else who's harvesting our data. I mean, if China wanted data, they just buy it from Facebook. Exactly. They they would, like, it's probably cheaper for them to go to, through data brokers yeah. than to, like, operate servers. It's all there already, so I don't know. It seems a little bit, uh, or a lot of it, bad faith. Are you are you familiar with the Resist Bill, that's, uh, the Resist Act that's coming out uh, in the aftermath of this uh, this debacle in Congress? No, tell me about it. Um, so there is now a, uh, or not resist, sorry, restrict. I, I messed it up. The restrict act that is uh, being promoted. Um, there's a lot of speculation on what it could potentially do. There's, there's vagueness surrounding it, but it's proposed legislation that was first introduced in the United States Senate on March 7th to authorize, get this, the Secretary of Commerce 
uh, to review and prohibit certain transactions between persons in the United States and foreign adversaries. And the foreign adversaries list is, of course, uh, you know, the, the same villains, quote unquote, uh, ranging from Iran to Venezuela to China <clears throat> and uh, Russia, of course. Um, and uh, people are fearful that uh, you can be fined up to a million dollars and also with 20 years uh, prison sentence for uh, if they if they f consider you to be doing something uh, illegal like uh, utilizing. Again, this is vague. They claim that it's not going to hit VPNs, but using VPNs, for example, or, or even using TikTok. This came after uh, this was uh, directed towards TikTok. If they ban TikTok, you can go to jail for using TikTok. That's technically okay. You better start. You better start building prisons. Why? Well, yeah. Well, that is a big. Well, you know, but industry. but the the interest. I'm glad you brought it up. The interesting thing about this is, from an economics point of view, it's kind of remarkable. You know, um, I've lived all my life in the United States. I was born in Ohio and been working here all my life. And I grew up at a time when, when we were told in the economics courses I took in the universities where I've taught economics all my life, that an economy works best if it's private. And if the government doesn't enter in, do this, do that, regulate this, choose one company over another, we were told literally that this is a bad thing to be avoided at all costs. So I think it's one important thing is to recognize that all of that stuff has been thrown out the window mm -hmm. in the last five or 10 years, just as if it were never spoken, as if it were never taught, even though it was the dominant ideological statement of what Western capitalism was all about. Mm-hmm. And you're now seeing it used to be it used to be a phrase: the government should not choose winners and losers in the market. Mm. That was a kind of phrase that we were told. Well, what you're seeing at every turn is exactly the opposite. The government is choosing winners and losers, helping these industries, not those industries, saving this one, not the other one, forbidding this, allowing that. It's never stopping, and it's not a sign of confidence in your system. It's a sign of fear and retreat and danger and isolation. And now let me put on my economics hat. You know, it's not that list that you mentioned a minute ago, Iran, Russia, China. You better get out your pencil because that list is becoming longer and longer and longer with each passing day. It used to be Russia, China, and we would you know, have the usual socialist bad guys or communist bad guys. But now we have uh, all kinds of societies. The important thing to remember is something called the BRICS, B-R-I-C-S, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. We are isolating ourselves from them by pretending we are isolating them. But that's not the way it's working. The rest of the world is gathering around them, not us. And the make-believe that that's not the case is a dangerous form 
of self-delusion in the United States. Look, the war in, the, in Ukraine, whatever else you think of it, was supposed to be over in a short time once the sanctions got going. They were called the mother of all sanctions. They would bring Russia to its knees. Go back and look at the, the press in February, March, and April of last year. That's what they were predicting. None of that has happened. None of it. And why? Because it turned out that Russia, which is a weak economic system and was before this war started, but Russia has really big and powerful friends, more of them each day. And they turned to those friends and they made a bad joke out of the mother of all sanctions, which hasn't stopped the war one iota. And adding more tanks and sending more shells isn't going to change that. These are more and more looking like the acts of people who took a really bad turn, cannot admit it, cannot face it, and keep doubling down in a way that makes the rest of the world shake their head. And more and more of us inside the United States scratching our head and wondering, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, and, and that's really where people like me, now we're, that's where we find ourselves. What kind of policy is it that you would like to see in terms of uh, like how, how American, uh, America responded to the war in Ukraine instead of sanctions? Sure. <clears throat> I think the best way is actually to remind everybody about American history, right? At a certain point, back in the 18th century, the, 19, the people here in the United States decided that they were sick and tired of being a colony of Great Britain. Mm -hmm. So we broke away from the British Empire. We did that by means of a violent revolution. We fought a war with England, 1776. We've all learned about it in school umpteen times. We know. And, and an amazing thing happened. The British Empire, which at that time ruled the world, the slogan in England at that time was, the sun never sets on the British Empire because we've got the whole world covered from India to Africa to you know the story, okay? To the amazement of everybody, the British were defeated by the Americans in that revolutionary war. But they didn't give up. In 1812, we had another war where the British Empire decided again to try to squash the new emerging economic power of the United States. Two wars, they were defeated both times. Finally, the British got the memo. This not gonna work. You are not gonna undo the history uh, that you yourself helped to make. So what you ought to do is sit down and work out with the United States, this new call, get over your upset that your empire isn't growing anymore. Get over it. Recognize that your empire is now on the downturn and that a new 
power is arising, namely the United States. And they worked out a peace agreement that lasted a century. Okay, you want my answer? That's what we ought to be doing with Russia and China. Mm. Not go to one little war or not so little, one proxy war. Next, we'll have a war that isn't a proxy war. You know, we're on the edge of it anyway, almost every day. We'll do something in the South China Sea. We'll provoke one way or another, or we will be provoked. This is a dead end. It's, it's not in our interest. It's not in their interest. We need to live with this new emerging economic power. We don't need to keep trying to squash it. It doesn't work. Every other empire, Greek, Roman, British, Persian, Ottoman, you go through them. They all had a ride up, then they plateaued, and then they went down. The last hundred years has been the American empire, especially after World War II. It was a great ride up for the U.S. It's going to be a bumpy, difficult ride down. And the sooner we face it, the better our judgments will be and the better our policies will be. Because where we are going, whether it's Ukraine or banning TikTok or hounding Huawei, these are things that are going to hurt the U.S., I keep trying to explain to people, when Saudi Arabia shifts its oil resources from the West to China and Russia, this is a screaming signal, uh-oh, even the people you thought were most dependent on you aren't anymore. And unless you're blind, or blinded by some ideological reflex you ought to outgrow, you're going to be making one mistake after another, and people like you and me are going to be talking about them, even though we would wish we didn't have to. And I feel so your like answer is collaborative multipolarity, like leaning into that uh, with, right. with all of the other uh, hegemonic powers, or at least like uh, superpowers that are growing uh, at an... Uh, rapid pace. The propaganda, though, that I think a lot of people consume in America is that these countries are not willing to work with us. It's them that's putting up the roadblocks. But they are working with us. We're working with them all day, every day. I mean, how, we couldn't have we have no commerce without China. Listen, uh, let me give you a couple of, of just simple statistics throughout the entire anti-Chinese or China bashing or whatever you want to call it of the last eight or nine years, beginning at the end uh, of Obama, right through the tariff and trade wars of Trump, and now the continuation under the neocons working with Biden. Throughout that time, the trade between the United States and China goes up every single year. There's a peculiar disconnect between, if you pardon me, the roaring bullshit from the politicians and the underlying reality that we need them. We need them to produce consumer goods. If the American people had not been able to buy cheap 
Chinese consumer goods over the last 30 years, they would have demanded and they would have gotten higher wages to pay what would have been the price <clears throat> if those things had been produced anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Capitalists in America are grateful, if they're honest, for the cheap Chinese goods that have made it possible for profits to go up without rising wages because you could go to your neighborhood TJ Maxx store and buy inexpensive Chinese clothing or to the other stores. You know, there is no Amazon. There is no Walmart without Chinese goods. If you, block, if you plot the growth of Walmart and the growth of China, you discover something. It's the same business. Hmm. The China can outproduce us on everything. But they could never have gotten into the American market unless Walmart, Target, and all the others acted eagerly to be the distributor of those Chinese goods and to make a fortune for themselves along the way. Those are the realities. The rest is make-believe. Nobody wants this war in Ukraine. Above all, the people of Ukraine who are suffering beyond all words the destruction of their society. Who's benefiting out of this? I mean- American weapons manufacturers? Excuse me? I said American weapons manufacturers are. Yep, um, yep. It seems like uh, those with the least to lose and the most to gain out of this are the ones that are pushing for it and pushing for the continuation of it, uh, whether it be Boris Johnson uh, back when he was the prime minister going into uh, Ukraine during uh, the first round of peace negotiations or, or a possible ceasefire and peace negotiation talks that were happening um, right. organized by Turkey. Or whether it be, uh, you know, Ned Price and numerous other American State Department officials uh, continuously talking about how uh, they are not interested in peace at all. Um, obviously, there's an argument here about what Ukrainians uh, want. And some will say that, uh, well, the overwhelming majority of Ukrainians want to keep fighting this fight. Um, but ultimately, uh, we are not giving uh, Ukrainians everything they want. It's not like we're, uh, you know, implementing Article 5. We're not. Uh, we're, we're not even giving Ukrainians uh, F-16s. Uh, we're not training them on that. We might down the line, I think. But so far, uh, these are demands that they've made that we haven't uh, conceded to. So, um, you know, I think that uh, pushing for peace negotiations on that front uh, with China and Russia at the other side of the table, with Ukraine and the United States of America on one side of the table, would be the quickest and most swift way to try to stop uh, this conflict and, and further bloodshed from continuing? Well, I mean, let me just expand one, one dimension of, uh, of that point. Uh, we now have a defense budget, depending a little bit on how you look at it, in the neighborhood of $850 billion to a trillion dollars. If you take a look, it's more money than the next eight or nine countries in the world combined spend on their military. We have just authorized an additional 100 plus billion dollars just for the war in Ukraine. <clears throat> Even if you believe that one motivation for the Ukraine war is the money being made by the defense industry, 
we already are doing more than anyone in their right mind could ask to provide them with a profitable business. Over a trillion dollars. I, mean, I don't even think they're that greedy. They're getting a bundle, a big bundle with no opposition. Nobody opposes uh, the defense budget. I mean, a handful of people, but it's basically trivial. The two parties that run our politics are both eager to outdo one another in supporting the defense budget. They're in very good shape. They don't need another $100 billion war on top of the gift that this one represents. So I, for me, I don't think it's even them. I, I wouldn't mind criticizing them if I thought it, but I, I don't see, they're already, they've made a ton of money by all the stuff we've shipped to Ukraine and all of that will have to be replaced. They will get the money and the profit out of that. Uh, the budget is huge and it got a tremendous boost. Look, I'm an economist and two things have happened in the last year that strike me as downright funny. We are in a supposed war against the inflation in our country. And to that end, we have a Federal Reserve, our central bank, that has raised interest rates. And that's supposed to slow down the spending by individuals and businesses because they can't, it's too expensive to borrow money at high interest rates, et cetera, et cetera. What's the worst thing you can do to an inflation? Pour money onto it. It's like squeezing a kerosene on a, on a campfire. It flares up as a stupid thing to do. What have we just done? We have just spent an extra $100 billion on a war in Ukraine. Most of that money goes right back into the American economy because it pays for the military one way or another. And Mr. Zelensky is not stupid. He understands you better spend that money back in the United States and not in some other country because that will be the fastest way to cut that uh, game over, number one. The second thing we did when our banks started to collapse a couple of weeks ago was to say that the Federal Reserve is going to come in and give any bank in trouble losing deposits. They can go to the Federal Reserve and borrow brand new money to replace the deposits. Well, let me explain to you. If the deposits go from a, a troubled bank to an untroubled bank, that's still money circulating in our economy. If the Federal Reserve backstops banks by pumping more in, money in, then you've got a bank crisis leading to more money and a war leading to more money. You're not slowing down the inflation that way. You're making it worse. What's my point? It's obvious <clears throat> no one discusses it in this country. No one is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, we got to think about the inflationary. If we propose to get to help the food stamp recipients for another six months, the issue of inflation would be raised. Yeah, that's a moral hazard. It's only a moral yeah, hazard it, as it pertains to the working poor when you're helping yeah. uh, the working poor. It's never a moral hazard when you're helping yes. bankers get golden parachutes in the aftermath of the 2008 financial uh, collapse. Um, so what you're what you're basically just to make it a little bit easier to understand for our audience here uh am i correct in in stating that we we have two methods of dealing with the inflation we have monetary policy and fiscal policy 
right. fiscal policy conducted by the legislative branch, which is usually just completely powerless, with the exception of the bipartisanship that they always find when it uh, comes down to more money for the military. And then right. you, the monetary policy is also uh, one that you can use, and it's pretty much the only one that uh, you can use, uh, unfortunately, because <laughs> there is no such... Uh, deflationary uh, fiscal policy that the, the Republicans or the Democrats will ever allow. So they're they're utilizing that uh, the control over the inflation uh, by by uh, controlling the interest rates uh, with yeah. the, with the express purpose of depressing wages, kicking people out of jobs with the hopes that like inevitably people will be this tight labor market will turn back around and and uh, you will have a labor force that's willing and able to take uh, less pay for the same work. Yeah, and again, I don't mean to beat a dead horse here, but again, I'm astonished. I'm an economics professor. Mm -hmm. I'm astonished that the only way we are discussing as a nation dealing with the inflation is by raising interest rates, which will throw millions of people out of work. And everybody knows that, which will probably hurt the poorest amongst us most, the last hired, the first fire, all of that again, worsening uh, the disparities of our racial community, of our ethnic community, of the genders, and on and on. Really, we're going to go through that? I'm a professor. I learned that there are other methods of dealing with inflation. Can we talk about that, that do, Can we talk that about do that? do not involve... Raising interest rates. I am mystified why I live in a country where the people in charge know what I just said, and they refuse to discuss it. We have a country in which raising interest rates is considered like the thing, the only thing, and all that's left for us to discuss is how many you know, percentage points it'll go up or down, how soon. Uh, let me drive it home in a personal way. But people seem to like this, so I'll tell you this story. I got my PhD in economics at Yale University. At the time I got it, it was almost all uh, men who were students. Women didn't go into economics then. They do much more now, but they didn't then. So there were two or three women in my class, and we all got to know them because there were only two or three women in my class. And one of them who took the same courses I did, in the same classroom I did, <laughs> from the same professor I did, you know, was a woman you've gotten to know. Her name is Janet Yellen. <laughs> so I know what she knows. She knows what I know. We were schoolmates. We went to the same graduate program. In that program, we learned that one of the most interesting ways to stop an inflation that has been used in many countries at many times, often with great success. And that was used August 15th, 1971, by the sitting president, Richard M. Nixon. He got on television and he said to the American people, we've got a terrible inflation, here's how we're going to deal with it. As of right now, as he was speaking on radio and TV, any business that raises its price, we're going to come for you, we're going to arrest you, and you're going to jail. 
any union or other worker organization that pushes or tries to push the wage up, we will do the same to you. This policy is called in this country a wage price freeze. In other countries, it's called an incomes policy because it freezes the income of the employer and the income of the employee at the same time, wherever it happens to stand. That was originally put into effect for 90 days. It was extended. It brought the inflation down. It is an alternative. It has its strengths and weaknesses, just like raising interest rates, but they're different. And an honest society trying to deal honestly with its problems would have a debate publicly about these alternatives. And by the way, there are others I could give you if you were interested. It's not the only two. There's more than two. But we live in a society that has a quick dismissal. If they even admit what I just explained to you, which is in every history book and can be verified in 10 minutes of Googling anything, there's no excuse for what's going on. Just like breezily dismissing the the U Ukraine war by saying the Russians and the Chinese don't offer uh, to sit down and have a ceasefire. Both of those countries have done it. Maybe they're lying. Maybe they'd cop out once you started the process. But we're not in a very good position to, to call them bluffers if we haven't called the bluff. And if we're willing to sit down without conditions, why don't we say so? And I don't think you can use the argument about what the Ukrainians want, because I, I, here I'm not interested in criticizing Mr. Zelensky. But you should know, if you don't, that he has shut down opposition newspapers, opposition media, opposition politicians. Um, he's fighting a war. Maybe you have to do that in war. But there is no way to know what the mass of the Ukrainian people feel unless you want to take the fact that somewhere between six and seven million of them have left the country, and it's not that big a country, and that would not be a sign uh, that you would want to make a big argument about that this shows that they're in favor of fighting to the last Ukrainian, since they've made a, cho a choice not to be among those last Ukrainians that, that, that we're fighting for. So, it, it does strike me as there's an awful lot of accumulated evidence that we're not dealing honestly and straightly with these major problems of our society. And that's usually the sign of a society that is scared shitless, if you pardon my Spanish, and therefore is functioning with a, a level of anxiety that is scary to watch. Um, getting back to fiscal policy and monetary policy, uh, you talked about some things that have demonstrably worked, like the Nixon price freeze. Right. Uh, for contemporary America, uh, for contemporary American society, do you have any suggestions on fiscal policy that would be deflationary? Um, and and can we even implement these policies? Absolutely. The first policy that would be deflationary. Uh, and it is long overdue, is raising taxes on corporations and the rich. If you want it very concrete, reverse <clears throat> the tax cuts that were passed in December of 2017. The biggest single economic act of recent history uh, was that tax cut. 
That is what produced the trillion dollar deficits we've had ever since. We had deficits before. It's not that we didn't, but we took a quantum leap. And let me, let me drive home. The 2017 tax cuts, benefiting mostly corporations and the rich, came at the end of a 30-year period, maybe even 40 years, yeah. of a dramatic boom in profits, of a dramatic increase in the inequality of wealth. Those were two arguments that said this was the last thing you needed to do. Corporations were rolling in money. That's why we had the greatest peacetime stock market boom in the 80s, 90s, and into the first decade of this century. They didn't need it. They, didn't, they shouldn't have got it. The people who deserved it were the ones who had come out on the short end of the stick over the uh, 80s, 90s, and the first decade of this century. If you wanted to help someone, help them. But if you didn't want to help them, okay. But shoveling vast amounts of money into the hands of those who needed them least was an incredibly, if you pardon me, stupid it was so greedy, it, it, it lopped over beyond greed into downright stupid. And then, and then to scratch your head and say, gee, we have terrible deficits. Well, what the hell did you think you'd get with a tax cut? It's like today saying, you know, we have a shortage of labor. Hello, you just kicked out millions of immigrants. They were doing that work. What are you, surprised by the results of what you did? Were you born yesterday? Um, uh, I, I wanted to ask about the... Um... Go ahead. I'll, okay, I'll well, all right. Well, I got I got some more questions, or uh, at least uh, uh, your opinion on one of my suggestions. I think uh, stock buybacks uh, used right. to be considered market manipulation and that consideration was correct in my opinion it is it is market manipulation um and uh they used to be illegal until 1982 right. uh i think that one other uh, immediate uh, so not a, a full-blown solution but one other immediate uh, form of legislation could come by making stock buybacks illegal again especially at a time when you know uh, corporations uh, are, are very clearly only beholden to their shareholders. Even the World Economic Forum and, uh, and other uh, capitalists are talking about how they need to find a new capitalism to a uh, stakeholder-focused uh, uh, solution to, to the economic problems. Um, I think that's, that's, one other, that's one other thing that we could absolutely be considering as well. Yes, I, I agree with you, but I, I hate to throw water on your little campfire here. So I'm going to agree with you that uh, stock buy, but they certainly are a market manipulation. That's, that's why they're done. Uh, their goal is to boost the price of the stock in the market. Uh, the company, by going in and being a major buyer, uh, has the effect of driving up the price of the stock. If you remember that members of the board of directors of many companies, high executives in many companies, are paid with stock options and other kinds of stock remuneration, then you can see they have a personal interest and a personal gain by using the company's money to drive up the price 
of the shares they have. But here, here's the water I'm going to throw a little bit. Corporations understand what we're saying. The general public, maybe not. But the people who run the larger corporations hire economists and accountants like me who explain this to them. And, you know, maybe not the first or third or ninth time, but by the 15th time we go over it, they kind of get it. Um, and, and they can keep it in mind because it's their wallet. But they have developed over the years a whole host of strategies. And if you deny them this one, and I'm in favor of it, I agree with you, I would support it. But I'm, I've been around now and I will tell you, they have dozens of other strategies that will accomplish more or less the same thing. Oh, absolutely. I'll give, you, I'll give you one example, just so you get the flavor. Company A, a big multi-billion dollar company, and company B, another one. And they get together over golf or at the fanciest restaurant they can find, and they come to an agreement. Company A uses its profits to buy shares in company B. That's not a stock buyback. And company B uses its profits, you get the picture, yeah. to buy the stock of company <clears throat> A. I've watched it, it's there, it's a strategy. And I could go on. <laughs> As long as we allow a tiny group of people, a board of directors, you know, 15, 20 human beings sitting at the top of these mega corporations, as long as you give them the authority of disposing of the billions of dollars in profits and revenues that they have at their disposal, you can't be surprised if they use it to enrich themselves. That's yeah, how yeah. the game of capitalism is organized. The rest of us are supposed to be spectators and go ooh and ah when they use the money to aggrandize you know, themselves or their companies. They really do have lovely shrubbery around their headquarters. <laughs> I want to say there's at a certain point and kind of goes back to what we were talking about before when, you know, during a 40 year period of you know, huge profits, they give themselves another massive tax cut. It, like you said, it's stupid, but it's even worse than that. It's almost like self-defeating gre greed to the point where it's destabilizing society is going to end up eventually with their head on a pike. You know what I mean? Or their head in a fucking, in a goddamn... Uh... Ethan is recognizing the contradictions, Professor Wolf. That's what's going yes, on. Or their head in a guillotine. So, like, how is it that they're not aware of... They must be aware of where they're going, and at a certain point, I just don't understand why they don't acknowledge that I can be ultra-rich, and also it's as important that we live in a stable society where someone's not going to—people are going to come eat me. Okay. Let me answer it by telling you a story. Since I am a graduate of the fancy schools in this country— and, and have all the connections that those schools create for you when you go through them. The education you get, by the way, is quite mediocre, but the <laughs> connections, they are super. Yeah, uh, they're just okay. super. All right. I have therefore been at the following conversation. 
a group of people sitting on the boards of directors of the biggest corporations in America. Some of them talk like you just did. They say things like, well, I'll quote you, Warren Buffett will say to you in public, I pay a lower rate of taxes on my billions than my secretary does on what we pay her. Remember, he said yep. that, he got yep. a lot of play. So he gets it. He gets it that it's stupid what they're doing. It's self-destructive what they're doing. And he appeals to the other directors like him to see what he's saying. And he's not the only one. But the problem is there's another group of directors who come right back at him and say the following. The mass of people in this country are too divided, too disorganized, and too ignorant to figure any of this out. They say that? They're that? They say that. They're they actually that, that it, uh, malignant. It's, they're, well, they're, yeah, they're, it's yes. just evil. Rich well, you know, it's very... Look, if you keep sticking it, I, I'm going to defend them now. I, 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 but <laughs> I'm ahead. only answering your question. I don't <laughs> yeah, mean to defend them, Absolutely. but I am going to defend them. Because here's where it goes. Once you're at, once you get over your anger that they talk like think like that, which I get, mm -hmm. you're gonna ask yourself because you're a smart guy. Why? I mean, you know, people aren't born that way. Why would they think and talk like that? And here's the answer: They were Warren Buffett's in the past. They warned in their company, "Look, let's not go so far." Uh, let's give the workers a decent pay. Let's, you know, pay our taxes. Let's spend some money to make uh, the city uh, nicer for people or whatever. And they got shot down by the, let's call them for lack of a better term, the conservative type, pro-business types. They got shot down and the pro-business guys stuck it to the workers some more and evaded the taxes some more and didn't give a nickel to the community. And guess what? The profits of the company went up because there was no reaction. Mm. The local politicians didn't do anything. The people didn't get the pitchforks. They didn't march down Main mm. Street with them. None of it. And so over time, mm. they began to feel as though their, let's call it humane impulse or whatever you want to call it, uh, to be nice guys as employers was a mistake, mm -hmm. made them look like they were uh, weak or mm. in some way not as gung-ho to make a profit for the company uh, as, their, as their fellow directors. They didn't want to take that kind of risk. Right. They didn't want that kind of reputation. They kind of swallowed their bad feeling. They stopped telling their wife about how they felt because the wife would notice that if you felt that way, in the past, you're not feeling that way now. I don't hear you say anything about doing good for the community. You've got me sitting on the, the board of the local Y or the orchestra or the local charity, but you're not coming to the meetings and you're not even asking me anymore. So what you've got is a, is a, a capitalist employer class whose majority thinks they can safely ignore the mass repercussions, nothing will happen. Mm. 
they, the Republicans and the Democrats will distract people away from what we're doing to them economically. They'll get more interested in, I don't know, immigrants or in being carrying a gun or whether transgender people can use the toilet. Who, we don't have to worry about that and makes that's sense. the answer they give. Sadly, that does make sense. So what is the what is the most effective mechanism of pushback, in your opinion? Uh... It's exactly what we were just talking about. Let me give you an example. As I'm speaking to you, in three countries, of, in three countries of Europe, is the answer: France, Germany, and Greece. In all of those countries, masses of people are letting the power structure there, both the political power structure and the business uh, leadership, know that there are limits. In France, they are telling the president, Mr. Macron, you are not going to solve the fiscal troubles of France by depriving them people of two years of their pension. You're not going to do that. We're not going to let you. In Germany, all the railroad stations and all the airports are closed because the workers are on strike. And the issue there is the inflation. You are not going to jack up the price of oil and gas for all of us and then not change our wages. I mean, you're not, we're not going to tolerate it. And Greece, you might find, is even the most interesting. Four weeks ago, they had a terrible train wreck worse than the one we had in East Palestine, Ohio, but around the same time. It killed 60 young people, among other things. And they went into the streets to denounce the privatization of the rail system in their country. The government came down on them, and so now they're all against the government. This is making everybody stop and pay real close attention. The polls in France, my father was French. I speak French. I have since I've been a kid. Um, the polls in France are about 60 to 65 percent supporting the people in the streets. So there is no escape from the president uh, for him. He's in a deep, deep uh, container of doo-doo and with very little mechanism to get out of it. Well, what you're what you're describing also, uh, I can't uh, I have to mention this but what you're describing is three nations that uh even even with greece that have a higher rate of participation in unions in the labor force yeah. uh with a stronger history of of uh you know labor uprisings and yeah. also like even when you consider france for example even if they do not have uh actual card carrying union members they have collective bargaining agreements that encompass damn near the entirety of the economy in france it's i believe 98 percent collective bargaining agreements yes um, and they're and they're industry-wide i mean yeah. the unions get together the employers get together they bargain across the table and it covers the entire industry yeah. across the country That's whereas right. uh one fact that i like to always point to in the united states of america is the union participation rate in this country is actually even lower than a country that we destroyed, we eviscerated, like Chile. Chile has a 15% union participation rate. The United States, on the other hand, has an 11% union participation rate, um, which is unimaginable to think about. It's unimaginable to consider, considering what we've done in Chile. Uh, so 
I think that factors into this uh, a lot. You talk about democracy at work. You talk about, uh, you know, how how, uh, you know, workplaces uh, should implement a democratic process, even though it's authoritarian um, currently. And people expect that and people think that that's normal. Um, I, I think that uh, that is the main mechanism of pushback is is uh, well, also building I out. I want to ask, maybe this is why I'm just wondering why are Americans so docile? Yes. In many ways, that's what we've been talking about, even if it hasn't been explicitly in so many words. And the whole world wonders about it. I wonder about it, but I can assure you, I, I go to Europe fairly often. I give talks, you know, papers at university conferences and crap like that. Um, and that's the question I'm asked. What is it? You know, the French have the yellow vests a few years ago. You guys may remember uh, before the pandemic hit, this amazing uh, outpouring of, of opposition among the French people to the rising cost of gas and electric bills. And so, so yeah, I mean, what is it about the American people? They grumble. Uh, you know what they say at the bar at night. You've been there. You know what they say over the dinner table. You know they have feelings about this. They, you know they're angry about what the, you know, the price of eggs going up the two to three times over the last six, eight months. Everybody knows you can't. I mean, an inflation is a phenomena that pokes you in the nose, you know, every day. So people know, but they have this sense somehow in America that it is either impossible or unwise to get together with other people, enjoy the, the, the benefit of having numbers and beginning to actually act democratically to say that we, the people, have a right to be heard, to have a, a right to shape the policies that we live under. They say it, but they don't really believe it. And somehow in there, I think, lies the explanation for this docility, for this hesitance to get out there and, and, and do stuff. It, it, it's... And it's very discouraging. And and I want to go back to the story I told you about the board of directors I meet with. When you have docility like that, you are encouraging the corporate board of directors right. to think that they can get away with virtually anything. Amazon is in the process, in case you didn't hear it, of, of doing away with the free delivery. Uh -oh. They got what they wanted. They There's going to be blood in wanted. the streets from that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, because it, it, they they see profit. They're going to start changing. The, the they've issued some some indications. Only if you buy so much will you get. If you don't buy that much, you don't get it for free. And you might get it sooner than the other guy's going to get it later. They're you know, beginning to play the game because they don't think they have any opposition. Yeah. They have to fear. Part of me, I wonder. Like I imagine, if you were to get like the majority of people interacting and caring together about one cause. In my mind, imagining Americans doing that is almost hard to believe because the different tribes, the two different tribes here in America, are so opposed and the propaganda on either side is so um, compelling. It's like if you, if you have a bunch of, let's say, liberals in the street protesting uh, inflation and, and price gouging and all this, 
it would be so easy for Fox News and their saddle and all their cronies to vilify them in whatever way they wanted, right, to prevent the other half from participating. And I feel like there's no critical mass eventually where it's like, because you need but you need both people to come together on a cause to get anything done. I feel like in a meaningful way to have enough people. I wonder if that's why. I there are, if there are the plenty of issues. There are plenty of issues where the American public actually unite on uh, across the board. Abortion being one of the greatest examples of this, like the protection of abortion rights, being one of the best examples of this. And yet, obviously, uh, you know. The Democratic Party doesn't do enough to protect that, and the Republican Party very openly uh, works to undermine it, and not even through the legislative body, but through state legislatures and the court process but if a and the court system. If a conservative who, let's say, even supports that privately, they, I think they would be afraid of being perceived as a traitor if they went out into the streets or something like that to support the cause. I think I, I think that they have uh, weaponized wedge issues very effectively in the United States of America uh, as a way to as a mechanism to divide the working class. The working class has no class consciousness in this country. Mm -hmm. uh, historically, they haven't had class consciousness in the country. Even like in the Eugene Debs era, there was still, I mean, there were still plenty of people like the, the Steinbeck quote that comes to mind immediately is about how socialism will never work in the United States of America because uh, the workers do not see themselves as an exploited proletariat, but temporarily embarrassed millionaires. Um, I, I mean, that's paraphrased and maybe falsely attributed to this topic, but it doesn't matter. My point is that that attitude still exists. American exceptionalism is built into people's minds. Americans still believe a false meritocracy that doesn't exist. These are all these are all uh, uh, ideas that the bourgeois state and its institutions have basically reinforced through even neoliberal institutions like uh, where Professor Wolf graduated from, Yale, uh, all the way down to, you know, our, our regular education and what people are taught in schools um, from, you know, pre-K through 12. So that's it. There is, it's, it's very successful. This is what happens when you have a country that has no class consciousness and capitalists have won. And it makes sense. We are the labor aristocracy. We are living in the imperial core. We do benefit from the global exploitation of the third world. Uh, uh, the the exploitation of the uh, global south, and we kind of recognize that. We recognize that the cheap goods and commodities that we consume are are you know sedating the masses, and people are relatively comfortable. That's why no one fucking rises up when you see a seven hundred percent increase in profits for an egg company, it, the the California egg company that just reported like like insane record shattering profits at a, and and they did that. Uh, because egg prices were increased. There's so much, there's too much corporate consolidation. They have all the power. And just like Professor Wolf pointed out, Amazon uh, is, is doing that single-handedly, monopolizing e-commerce, and then slowly but surely increasing prices uh, and doing whatever the fuck they can. And there's no way to fight back against it. So I don't know if you have an opinion about that, or I, it's probably a whole lot of stuff, you know, but uh, it is, it is concerning. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I have other. I have to get off. I have to other right, things. Right, 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 I, I, right. I did want to end. I did want to end my my part of this on a on a more positive note because mm -hmm. I, I agree with everything you've said. I, I really do. But I I want to again point out these things can change. 
France in France, it was believed that their working class was divided beyond all repair, basically divided as follows. A vast group of, of people in the middle, then an extreme right wing associated with the Le Pen family that you may have heard about, yeah. uh, father and now the daughter uh, as a leader of a far right wing anti-immigration thing. And then a fractured left with a communist party, a socialist party, a green party, and all the rest. And that they could not get together the union. There are eight national union federations in France. We have one, the AFL-CIO, they have eight, and they've never been able to agree on anything. In the last five years, all of that has changed. Here's what's happened. In the last election that Mr. Macron won and that Le Pen uh, came in second, a very, very close third, one or two percentage points less was a unified left in which the communists, socialists, greens, and three or four other parties all got together. Unheard of. And they were, as I say, two, three percentage points less than Mr. Macron. That's all. The division in France is very dangerous for the government in power because the left was unified. In the demonstrations that have involved millions of people over the last two weeks and are scheduled to continue next week again, the eight different trade unions who have been unable to agree on anything else are all agreed. They are all together leading this movement. It's led by the labor unions united. France has never seen this before. And I believe it shows the wisdom of a famous remark made, made by a great leader years ago. Here's how it goes. For many decades, nothing seems to happen. <laughs> and then in a few weeks, decades happen. Who said that, Professor Wolf? <laughs> man's name, the man's name was Vladimir, but not Zelensky. <laughs> um, you can think about who it might be, and you'll guess right. Brilliant guy. <laughs> He's really good, really well, smart guy. I want to. I know you have to go, but thank you so much for calling. It was uh, incredible talking to you. So, so great. Maybe you'd be uh, open to coming back again sometime. That would be awesome. Absolutely. I like your program. I like the style and the way you do things. Oh, thank you. And you don't, you, you don't beat around the bush, which I really appreciate, because I live in a country where beating around that bush seems to become a I only beat one bush, Professor, and it ain't yes, the one yes, we yeah, talk about. All right. I but Jordan, I do want to say— uh, Peterson's grandmother's bush. I do want to say— um, you have a YouTube channel, Democracy at Work, or you're associated with it, and somehow uh, you can subscribe on YouTube. I'm going to put the link in the description. You guys are going to be uh, greatly benefited by following uh, Professor Wolf on TikTok, on YouTube. We'll put all the links in the description. Democracy at Work on uh, across social media. We'll put them all in there, but go please support and follow this brilliant man who's going to be calling in again soon hopefully we're gonna get ethan to read state and revolution and then we'll talk about that very good all right Bye. gentlemen. Take thank care. you again thank you so much have a good night
One of my, it's one of my favorite Lenin quotes, Dude, which he's, I uh, use all the time. He's so smart. Look, yeah. Everything he says is so insightful and very scary, frankly. I'm glad he wrapped it even, up on a positive note. But I don't even like, think I don't even think that uh, Professor Wolf is like particularly smart. Uh, he is, but I think fuck? it's more so. Are you really no, gonna say I, that I think he will that? agree. I think he will agree with <laughs> that. This. Man just called in. You're no, I think he'll dumb. agree with what I'm about to say. It's common sense. I think this is what a lot of people failed on. Can he be smart and have good comments? Yes, but what fuck he is out, talking bro. about, for the most part, especially as it pertains to, uh, you know, uh. uh talking about some of these issues and and foreseeing the inevitable is just common sense it's it's more descriptive really uh, i think that's what that's the 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 fundamentals of uh, any kind of like marxian analysis i i know what you mean but goddamn yeah. he's he's awesome i didn't even get to i had all these questions lined up about um Jordan Peterson. I'm gonna get him next time. I really want to hear his analysis. Well, yeah, on there's, so much, there's so much to talk about about uh, Marxism. But uh, he oh, is wow. brilliant, though. Yes, I I do think Richard Wolf is great. For the record, I'm just simply... just not it's just not that bright. No, no. I I think like the 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 real brilliance uh, <laughs> of Richard Wolf comes from being able to describe complex uh, you know complex texts with uh, with ease. I was uh, in really... a way that is digestible. That makes sense. And I but agree. but ultimately, like he is simply describing common sense. I think everyone should understand that it's it's approachable. This kind of stuff is approachable uh, if you just simply think it through. That's what I was really enjoying. I mean, everything he was saying, I was really. Um... It was really easy to consume and fall. I mean, the guys. We gotta get. We have to harvest his brain more. I need to steal more of his labor. Did I steal, did I steal his labor? No, no, that's not because he's I not think, my employee. I think what I think. Can what, I just, steal his labor? How can I? I'd like to steal his labor. This is something people. Fire. This is something people in my community say about like people who I quote unquote steal my takes or whatever. But like agitative propaganda is important for class consciousness, and <laughs> therefore it, it doesn't matter who's repeating it as long as other people are hearing it. Like I don't give a shit, and I don't think he would give a shit either. That was so, awesome, man. Uh, having the opportunity to having the opportunity to describe such uh, subjects to a broader audience of liberals is always good. Hang on one sec. That is weird. What the fuck? Sorry. Um, great guy. We should reach out. Let's get him back on. Let's schedule it. Put <laughs> thirty seconds after you guys off the line. What? Nothing. I was just no. Write him and say, despite Hassan thinking you're not that smart, we do want to. <laughs> That's not what I meant. I obviously think he's. he's I'm, I'm gonna send I'm that gonna clip in the email. Everyone's gonna. Everyone's gonna fucking. Yeah, gonna everyone's gonna run that with that one. now. No, I love Richard Wolf. I think he's great. No, I was, I was say, very when excited. I told you Wolf was coming on, you were. You said, oh shit. Yeah, I was. You call him the Wolf. Yeah. Well, when you sent it to me, Ethan was like, "We got to get this guy on." I was shocked. I have I, so many. I have so many bro. questions. Yeah. I had so many TikTok. more questions about how, like, the distinction between liberal, like you, you or an anti-capitalist. I wanted to talk to him about AI uh, as a tool for capitalists, mm, and and what that. like the AI future uh, represents for the labor force. Um, you know where the Marxists are in in our uh, colleges in academia. And what the most right-wing departments are in colleges. We'll, we'll, we have a lot to, more to talk about. Um, and we'll get to that next time we have him on. Yeah, I, I, uh, I was very thankful for that. So, there it is, man. The wolf. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
Oh, we didn't even ask him a single Law & Order question, which is messed up. <sighs> yeah. As the uh, executive producer of the longest-running uh, crime show, what did you think about uh, that episode with Logan Paul? Yeah, why do you why do you do so much propaganda, <laughs> Professor? <laughs> Professor Wolf, how do you find time in your busy schedule to write so many and direct so many episodes? What was it like working with Richard Belzer? You know, great actor, Legend. Munch. You know? Absolutely. We Legend. should hit him with that next time. Now that we're friends, <laughs> be cool. What is Ice T like on? O G or S V U, guys? You think he O G or S V U? We can't have been the first ones to make that joke. He's got to know. Uh, Do you think he'll know what we're talking about? He's probably been hearing it for the last 30 years, right? Yeah. <laughs> that shit's been on, so yeah. I'm sure he's he's been hit with that. Yeah, but it was dope. This was a great opportunity. All right, but we still got a lot of news to cover. Uh, do you want to go through these, like, these line items? Let's or do you see, so get we got, the uh, oh, I wanted to show, you know, that's a good point, because oh, I, I know you probably got to, you can't stay too long. Yeah. What do we, how long we got you? Because I, there's a lot here. I got to leave at, at 1230, as I always okay. do. Okay, cool. I just want to show you this, because it's so funny, and we can move on to the main stories. But Rudy fucking Giuliani, I mean, I love to make fun of this ghoul. This man is the was the president's uh, a lawyer not that long ago. Uh, yeah. Here he another clip. America's from, mayor. He is America's mayor, as we all know, and uh, he has this uh, fantastic podcast. We've watched a few excerpts. <laughs> Enjoy this one um, as he pulls up a clip. He's high tech. He's about to do react shit. Watch I'm this gonna, shit. I love that. Well, let's see. Of course, the press would try. never ever. Stay uh, in your fucking lane. Oh, dude, I've done that. I've done this. Dude, there's someone behind the You're camera, laughing, but though. I've done this. Oh, I've there's someone this. behind the camera that's moving it and zooming in. This is fucking awesome. And it's not playing. It's not playing. No, it's not playing. I it to work. And the glare from the light makes a quarter of the screen. Why is he zooming and panning? It's a sexual dance. I don't even know why he's showing this clip. It didn't end up being really interesting, but if you and it's so quiet you can't hear. Yeah, you can't hear. It's playing off this. Down <laughs> I, the I have the volume maxed out. <laughs> it's playing off the tablet, and then so here I'll just pull back. When that's he, it. That was the clip. Well, then and then he pulled. I just yes, that's it. No, no, no. That's his clip that he that's pulled. It, yeah. What? What? Why did he pull that? It was him talking about ice cream. I didn't understand the significance. Look he's not this. even. Reacting. I'm taking a moment because what I say will be edited if I don't. Oh, he's just that upset about it. I, I have had issues. This man. Wow. Is a powerful. Ghoul. This man's coming from our jobs, Ethan. <laughs> I love he's gonna it. Have, uh, he's going to have that dentist guy that you have on next week. Oh, <laughs> no. Jimmy. Yeah, he he's going to have the dentist guy on to, to interview Donald Trump. Jimmy uh, Jimmy would go on fucking Rudy. Oh, he would, have, he would he, absolutely. He could go on Rudy. That's Knowing fine. Jimmy, he's probably already met him, too. Their dogs. Hey, I want to. So just to hit a couple of things at the top, Aiden told you to kill yourself. That was cute. That was funny. Yeah. Um, he also today said to about trans people, my pronouns are kill them. I saw I haven't like seen the full clip, but I think he was. What was he? He was looking at like was a middle school teacher talking about her her uh, fringe pronouns. Was that's that's cool, man. That's nice. That, that my, was he says my pronouns are kill them. He is such a he's such a little edgy teen, like going through his 4chan phase, like but in front of thousands of people. Yeah, he's gonna. Yeah. By the way, that that hairline is not looking hot. Like that thing is gone back, dude. Hey, don't you come know after, what I'm Don't saying? go after Ethan. You know what I mean? That's dude, what happened to your hairline. Do you see that? It seems noticeably. 
reading every, every time flash frame to me it, it's um, just a fact in my opinion. About hairline. every time he drops so, another fat me. rope at his sister he's <laughs> he's like losing another oh. he's losing another inch of his hairline oh shit <laughs> he's like oh accidentally jerked off to his sister again fuck so cringe bro so all you guys that get to pick your pronouns my pronouns is kill slash them okay but that's not really funny because i mean people are like wanting to kill them yeah, well, which is like makes that super crazy thing to say. The weirdest part about this that I find particularly fascinating is that, like, he's saying this, but like, is he ideologically genuinely motivated to like actually kill trans people? I don't think so. I think no. he, and what's really not important, and this is not a defense of Aiden Ross in any way, shape, or form, this is more so a criticism of the structure itself that, like, in entertainment anti-trans rhetoric is so popular that even if you're not transphobic originally or don't give a shit or haven't really thought it through you can lean into that kind of rhetoric as violently as possible like he has thus far like he's doing currently specifically to gain clout and prominence through uh, some of the more right-wing circles That's that is what's yeah. truly fascinating about this is that like someone as stupid as aiden ross who hasn't even been like ideologically motivated to like be angry at trans people in the same way that like fascists like Matt Walsh are, uh, fascists like Matt Walsh or you know the, the those over the Daily Wire are, um, he will still repeat that like a toddler. He's winking to them. I, I'm, yeah, I he will repeat yeah. those talking points like a fucking toddler with with diminished brain capacity, so that you know uh, he will be welcomed uh, by this audience. Well, that's don't know why I mean, they yeah. think this is a big audience. To be fair, his folks are like tater tots, so it makes sense. He's pandering to them. Sorry. But okay, as we're uh, have about thirty minutes left, let's talk about our main story here. Trump finally, at long last, week saying Trump's back, baby. He had his first campaign rally today, and none other than the great city with the illustrious and wonderful history, Waco, Texas. Hell yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. It's the we're holding out, brother. Of course, uh. Is it not a coincidental that uh, he held it there at the infamous uh, raid uh, that killed a bunch of people? 30th anniversary. 30th anniversary, in fact. Yeah. Uh, why would he want to connect his campaign to the Waco Maybe massacre? he watched a new Netflix documentary and was like, and got the wrong idea. Like, he was like, the, those guys over at Waco, they were good guys. They were very fine people. Like... Obviously, the ATF is somehow more monstrous and horrific That's than it. like because uh, the police were the fucking yeah really fucked that up. Like, man. let me let me just point something here, okay? I'm no <laughs> I'm no fan of the three letter agencies, okay? And and you know, give it up to the ATF to be the worst guys in a situation that involved a like pedophile a cult. cult leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they they still somehow were like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We're the villains of the story. Yeah, no, um, totally. But, so Trump's channeling that. I love that. No matter, it's but funny. But that is insane. It is insane to look <laughs> at that situation and be like, I actually will take a side on this. I'm siding with the pedophile cult leader. That's it. That's it. I was wondering, are you with, but also he's pro-police. So I just, I, I guess I just don't understand any side of this one. But here he is. Um, let's French Davidians. <laughs> they got some good ideas. I love the pedophiles. I they like a young girl uh, well, who doesn't. I mean, the, other than the pedophilia stuff, like obviously the Branch Davidians, they sold a lot of guns, folks. They mm. did. They loved mm. their guns. True. Believe me. That's probably why. So know? here he is kicking it off. Let's take a listen and a look. Glory, glory, hell. 
It's real America. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. It's real America. You got Uncle Ted, huh? I'm telling you, the whole world sucks, and America's catching up, but here in Waco, Texas, with the real shit kickers, this don't suck at all. What in the fuck? This your people? Hell yeah, we kicking shit and sucking dirt down here, boy. Pass I mean, me that vinyl chloride, son. I mean, yeah, Ted Nugent is like a disgusting little piglet. <laughs> Dude, and this is great. so he's he awesome. loves he loves that. Like he's <laughs> like, yeah, we're all oh, filthy. Shredder, hi. <laughs> we'll take Shredder from Ted Nugent. Okay. Oh, Alfredo's here too. Hey, Freddy. They came with uh, Eula today. Hi, Shredder. Hi. I'm taking Shredder to the um, another vet after the show today, a specialist. Yeah. And in, I didn't. Did you know that there was like internal medicine, like specialist vets? I did not know that. No. I didn't either. That's crazy. Yeah. So we're gonna go see what they have to say. But anyway, let's let's continue on here. Oh, um, can so someone grab water for them? Thank you. Hey, look! Everybody, take a look. Take a good look around you. This is real Texas. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Glory, glory, hallelujah! Look. It's and real Texas, we gotta yeah. fortify the bleachers. When he says when he says shit kickers, he means like that time when he uh, started taking shits in his own pants, specifically so he could avoid the draft. <laughs> I think wait, that's what he's wait, talking about. What is about. the shit kicker? Like they're just in the in the gunk, you know what I mean? The real Americans. That doesn't that seem, do that seems like job. an insult. Is is an unsophisticated or an oafish person from yeah. a rural area? But he's like, but he's he's like, you know. He's reclaiming it. Okay. We the you know real I mean? shit kicker around here. On his way to the stage, he debuted a new dance move. Also a weak fucking crowd size, which is sad. We don't like that. But it's Waco, Texas. I mean. Okay. New dance moves, people. Maybe this will make it to Fortnite. Let's see. The double dick suck is my favorite. And he's still <laughs> right. doing it. He's still doing it. You could see his mobility. He's flexible. He's God, got he's a, so hot. God, that is desolate. There's not a lot of people there. Yo, there is not a lot of people there. You can tell he's got it all, folks. He popped off. Yes. I love, I love the double dick suck. That's my favorite. The uh, uh, mm -hmm, the dicks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, it's the best. It's the best. <laughs> he is the, he's the goat. Here um, is some highlights. Did you, did you watch the whole thing or no? I, I didn't. I have highlights here. Okay, I did. You watched it all? How long was I, it? I, fuck yeah, I watched it live, dude. I'm, I'm, oh, I yeah, was number one shit. stand, yeah, dude. Are you shit. crazy? Come on now. Yeah. Uh, he shit on DeSantis a lot. Didn't get a lot of applause from the crowd when he was shitting on DeSantis, uh -oh. by the way, which was interesting, even in Waco. Uh-oh. Um, he, he did that. He was kind of mid overall, still rehashing the same issues over and over again. And uh, most importantly, it didn't make like mainstream media didn't cover it too much. That's not good. So it does kind of feel like, uh, you know, people are I mean, he's, he's falling off a little bit. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But this I, isn't good because if a lot of people are like, oh, he's going to kill DeSantis. But Trump running again is the same Trump that ran last time. He's gonna, he's not going to have a shot. People don't want him. They've already said, we don't want him. He doesn't have support. You don't understand, Ethan. No, I mean, it's going to be a great ride, no, but no, he no. seems like a bad candidate. 
for the Republican Party. But the, but no. there is no good candidate for the Republican right, Party yeah. as it stands currently, which is the problem because you have <laughs> this internal fraction of of people who want more culture war, but they represent they represent the most viable constituency to win primaries. Yeah. But if you lean into that too much, once you make it out of the primaries, you're going to get pummeled in the national election because the the uh the middle class, upper middle class, wealthy suburbanites that otherwise love like uh Reaganite policies and whatnot aren't super invested in like consistently talking about children's genitals <laughs> and you look like a like a pathetic fucking sweaty, crusty weirdo when you're constantly talking about children's genitals. They're super uh, yeah. Twitter brain. It's gonna be great. It's I'm just I'm so excited about it. This you also is... put on a uh, a rock show at the concert. I don't know if you caught that part of it. There was a there was a lady. This is uh, this is David Koresh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that was. I don't the, know who that is. The Branch Davidian guy. That's the, Waco the guy. guy. That's the guy. Oh, okay, that's the <laughs> that's Waco the... guy. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I didn't know he shredded. I... Yeah, no, he's I love shredded. It. Okay, fire. So anyway, here, here's let's watch some highlights. Port. Baby bonuses, so many people like that. We for love the, the babies. New baby boom that will be coming. We need babies. All of this is. Dude, what, what is this? Increase, he's been talking about this a lot. He, what yes. is the we need babies? Thing? He he wants um, to give like uh, subsidies to to yes families with newborns. I think he wants. Ah, he is fearful. Okay, so here's what's going on. In every developed country, there is one consistent principle. Uh, the more a country develops, the wealthier a nation gets. If you implement xenophobic, uh, you know, nativist policies like uh, anti-immigration, you will always have a declining birth rate. Mm -hmm. Japan is the primary example of this, a very well-developed economy with a uh, basically reverse pyramid where, um, uh, you know, you have a, a massively aging population. Even Japan has decided to, uh, in recent years, uh, start lowering some of the restrictions and letting in more people uh, and, and uh, start like a nationalization process for people because they recognize like, oh shit, you know, we have no productive, uh, mm -hmm. we have no productive laborers left if, mm -hmm, if this mm -hmm. continues. Um, and I think that is the reason why he's trying to, uh, he's trying to get people to have more children because, uh, you know, financial access is a major, major barrier to... <laughs> so to we need more babies. We need, we need more babies. Obviously, that won't solve the problem, because, like... So not a bad policy, you think? What? Not a bad policy, maybe? It's not necessarily a bad policy. Child tax credits literally wiped out child poverty in this country, which is why even the likes of Mitt Romney were advocating for it. It's a, it is, a, there is almost bipartisan consensus on the matter, but these, a lot of the... A lot gets lost in this conversation with respect to child rearing, child development, and how expensive it is, but also how little time the parents have mm -hmm. to do such a thing. So without like uh, any kind of federally protected uh, parental leave uh, and without any kind of like uh, federal protections uh, that would be labor protections that would hurt the profit margins of corporations in the United States of America, you're still not going to see a massive increase in the birth rate of, uh, of American citizens. I see. We need more babies. For the record, the reason why uh, the reason why America has not had the same problems that Japan has experienced is immigration. Right. Immigration has been the main reason why well, the we American like labor force is replenished with younger uh, younger people 
uh, actively participating in we the We don't like immigrants, brother. Didn't you get the memo? No, no, no. <laughs> but greatness for our country again. Oh, our here, here's Trump ranting about, we must do something about this ugly architecture, people. It's just uh, savage what <laughs> they're my doing. my favorite part. <laughs> it will be a quantum leap in American standards of living. We will hold a competition to build new freedom cities throughout our country, giving countless Americans a new shot. Motherfucker, you think this is Sim City or some shit? Freedom City. What the fuck? We're a quantum leap in living a uh, 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 quality of life. What the fuck? What are you talking about? I dumb mean, dumb? none of the none of his <laughs> initiatives ever but, but, end up happening. The only <laughs> like the most successful legislative policy for Donald Trump in his presidency was the tax cuts that we talked about for the corporations and the wealthy. So, uh, you know, none of the other initiatives ever actually come to fruition. Freedom cities, people, they'll be the freest cities in the world. Yeah. Talking about greatness for our country again. What? Our objective it's, it's will like be a quantum leap in America. The promises he's making are like so outlandish. They're not even like believable, I would assume, to even the dumbest people. But shit, I don't know. In standards of living. We will hold a competition. People will be able to fly. We'll be able to fly. People, it'll be fantastic. Uh, yes. I'll invent uh, little uh, VR machines to... Uh, Lifelike VR machines to sleep with all the lonely men. Be like real women. Everyone for every lonely man in America. No, no, you can't do that. <laughs> then then the birth rates will continue to decline. That's like, again, the Japan You'll be problem. able to reproduce with the machine. You, it's all dude, done. Dude, that's the Japan problem. Hatsune Miku. Hatsune Miku was too sexy, folks. Made the Japanese into hikikomaris. That's what they're calling My friends will be having Chinese dick-sucking factories everywhere. It'll be 69. fantastic. On every we must street, avoid every the Chinese dick-sucking <laughs> factories. We'll be collecting semen like uh, it's gold. People. He does. He does hype up. He does hype up China quite a bit. Like he's always like China is destroying us, folks. He's he's they're killing us. Now here's what I will say. Donald Trump is very good at reading the room. So I like to look I at... I've got to pee so bad. Okay, well, I'll, I'll talk about this uh, without you while you're peeing. So what I mean by this is sometimes it's best to look at the energy behind what he's actually pushing for or what he's actually stating. What do I mean by this? The last time he ran, he routinely talked about, uh, you know, corporate corruption and how much the wealthy own both parties. That was a fundamental truth that he was able to cut through the noise with, and I think that you know paid in dividends for him. That I think that that uh, boosted him as an outsider. What he's doing now is talk with the with the future cities or freedom cities that he's talking about is is obviously silly. It's never going to happen. But having said that. He must have clearly seen that there is interest within his base and within the American population in general for not only innovation, but also, uh, uh, you know, a, a new way of prospering internally uh, through economic development, through building new buildings, through building cities. And he's not wrong about that. That part of the statement is true. Like, if he were to talk about uh, building like a, like a civil uh, civilian engineer corps or something like that, I mean, you would, and then and then uh, you know rebuilding infrastructure and uh, and building developments uh, all housing. around the country, this would be like a leftist policy almost. Right. Um, of course, it's caked with like xenophobia. He's 
he's saying that like these freedom cities are uh, going to you know shut out uh, global competition or whatever, which you know that's a, that's another vehicle to sell this with, um, and that uh, you know that he's trying to, in his words, reopen the frontier, reignite American imagination. And give hundreds of thousands of young people and other people, all hardworking families, a new shot at home ownership, and in fact, the American dream. So, like I said, the principles behind ad, uh, what he's advocating for are sound. It's just, is he going to actually implement this? I don't think so. And and uh, even if he were to implement it, uh, the, the ways in which he would try to implement this would be fraudulent in general. I think. <laughs> what's the what's the like city that all the rich people go run away and build in uh, the Ayn Rand book. You know what I'm talking about? The Libertarian Utopia? Yeah, the Libertarian Utopia. I What's their name for it? I don't know. That's what I imagine it would, is, is what he's actually, he's not picturing, you know, public housing or something like that. Uh, Ayn Rand, uh, fictional city. Oh, Galt's Gulch. There it is. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that that's what he's picturing. He isn't picturing the projects. Yeah, except we do have an example of a libertarian utopia. It was in New Hampshire, and because of their uh, libertarian sentiment, it got overtaken by fucking bears. Wait, what? Yeah, there was a book written about it. Got overtaken by yeah, bears? Yeah, there was a New Hampshire town called Grafton. Uh, Matthew Hongold's Hetling wrote a book about it. A libertarian walks into a bear. That's the name of the book. And this was considered to be, by him, one of the boldest social experiments in modern American history. Um, and, and yeah, the, the, the Vox article uh, it goes into detail about this a little bit, but the book is great. Um, I'm going to have to read this. this they, they basically, yeah, they basically didn't have like an adequate pest control, any kind of fucking restrictions or regulations that you would normally have to avoid having bears awesome. destroy your town. Bear sins. <laughs> It's awesome, dude. It's literally a Simpsons plot. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like all manner of libertarianism. Uh, ultimately, whenever you talk to a libertarian, they basically are forced to redescribe how a government should be formed, while simultaneously claiming that like the government should not exist. Right. But they'll still, when push comes to shove, uh, whether you talk about roads or whether you talk about courts, they will ultimately describe to you the necessity for such things. Yeah, and then when you ask them how to fund it, you know, well, taxes. I don't even understand the, the point of it. Like, I don't know why people even do that to themselves. Like, why go down the libertarian road? I don't even get the appeal. It's like, you know, I don't Wait, get I it. get the appeal. It's American exceptionalism on crack. It's like, I don't you're... Know. You're an American. You're an individualist. The, this entire country was built on the in manifest fucking... destiny and, and, you know, the endless frontier, you know, making something of yourself, being able to go out Is and you know, kill a bunch of indigenous then? people. And, what? Was it even libertarian even then? I mean, it was still, you know, in a lot of instances, it was still government sponsored, but it was very decentralized, ultimately. I mean, you didn't even have a fucking singular uh, bank. That's why there were so many different, like, banknotes and shit. That's why we needed... Uh, uh, some form of like a like a treasury or a yeah, central bank system. Back to the good old days. Here, um, anyway, we need better architecture, brother. To build new freedom cities throughout freedom our country, cities. giving countless Americans a new shot at home ownership and 
a real shot at the American dream. We will build new monuments to our great American heroes. We won't tear them down. We'll build them up. Yes. Clean out homeless camps from our inner cities. Get rid of ugly buildings that are hurting. I love there's no there's no um, further thought into that. We're just we're going to get rid of the homeless. We're going to take them off the streets. I love when he's where they go or what we do. It doesn't matter. Not your problem to think about. I, I I love like what what's he, what does he mean I wonder when he says like we're gonna get rid of the ugly buildings like because that it's is not like really... Trump Tower is like a, a a beacon of prosperity you know what I mean it's, it's like tall it's shit. fantastic it's gold it's gold what do you mean get rid of ugly buildings that are hurting those cities and other places I don't know what what does that mean I'm gonna what I'm gonna demol I'm gonna start demolishing ugly buildings yeah. He's going to destroy him. <laughs> it's crazy. Sure. We're going to rebuild them. They'll be beautiful. This is literally like... He, it's psychotic. It's it's what you see all the, the Greek uh, Greek statue profile picture people on Twitter uh, complaining about all the time. It's like, we need more columns. That's going to solve all of our problems. Our right. buildings need columns again. Right, but he's talking about going into major cities and blowing up ugly buildings. That, and people are... I mean, that's his that's his platform. Hell yeah. Ugly buildings that are hurting. They're hurting us, the ugly buildings. <laughs> and return to the magnificent classical yes. style of yes. Western civilization. Yes. Talking about great. Like Trump Tower. Right, yeah. <laughs> a mod, not a modern I mean, monstrosity. I don't, in New York. I, yeah. I think he means like, I mean, it's like very American to just like, I mean, I don't like brutalist architecture either. But I think he means like we gotta we gotta destroy those boxy architecture, even though we don't really have it all that much. But like uh, it's it's basically social housing, like it's it's uh, you know right. Soviet era uh, social housing, mm. which by the way uh, was profoundly successful for the record. So successful that even like post-Soviet uh, countries have uh, significantly higher rates of home ownership, significantly higher percentages of home ownership. That's why. So remember that before we talk about those ugly houses. Ugly. Nobody wants an ugly house. Even if you're homeless, they'd rather live on the streets. Ugly. Uh, here he is uh, finally going after DeSantis. Congressman Wesley, that was a good speech you gave. But they've been very loyal. But I'm a loyalist. And, and when a man comes to me, tears in his eyes, <laughs> He's at almost nothing in the polls, and he's fighting somebody that's at 42, and he's got almost $30 million in the bank. He's at almost nothing. He's got no cash. And I say, I can't give you an endorsement. There's no way you can win. You're dead. But he fought a little bit, like 150. He was certainly no Jim Jordan, that I can tell you. He fought a little bit, just a little bit on impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, meaning on television, because I didn't know him very well. But I saw him, so he came and he really wanted. I said, you can't win, can you? How do you can win? Sir, if you endorse me, I'll win. Please. Please, sir, endorse me. And I said, all right, let's give it a shot, because honestly, the Secretary of Agriculture, Congressman Wesley, that was he a good speech. He came to me, tears. Tears in his eyes. Begging. Groveling, crawling on the floor. It was pathetic. Yeah, I mean... Uh... 
the the other one where he talked to Sean Hannity about this was pretty funny too. He's like, Abraham Lincoln and George Washington couldn't even save DeSantis, but I did. <laughs> I love that. You know, base. I love how thing. he like demeans our the early uh, founding fathers. Uh, I mean, what Same. That... What's your name and where are you from? Here's some great uh, interviews, of course, from the rally in Waco. Uh, she says she's a South African MAGA preacher. God <laughs> sent. Trump to her in her dreams. That's fucking terrifying. <laughs> so this is definitely all good. <laughs> Look amazing. What's your name and where are you from? My name is Lindy Ann Hopley and I am a South African MAGA preacher. <laughs> no, can do you live in South Africa now? I'm living in America Thank uh, God. because God actually told me that there's a revival coming to America. No, and, no, no, and no, 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 no. What's your visa status? <laughs> I don't care what God told you in your dream. <laughs> These people are always overstayers, dude. <laughs> another, another South African uh, that was a visa overstayer, Elon Musk. Right. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. I guess we don't was, mind. But he was able to pay his way into like college again so he could like technically legally be here. God told me, no, no, no. What is your visa status? <laughs> God doesn't work in fucking uh, immigration, lady. <laughs> yeah. President no. Trump was in it. So I'm all about just praying for this country and seeing God get his full reward. That's amazing. Where do you live here in the United States? I'm in DFW. So we came this down. This girl the said, that's amazing. <laughs> That's her follow-up. She says, I've yeah. been, Trump came to me in my dreams. I traveled across the world to commit immigration fraud. I mean, her job— I'm here quite legally, <laughs> and I talk to God and Her shit. job, quite literally, is to talk to the amazing. most mentally unhinged people. Like, <laughs> she just goes, amazing. So, you know, yeah, exactly. It's she, incredible. This is— <laughs> Ethan, that person is the most sane person she's talked to today. Maybe, yeah, probably. Okay, okay fair enough. <laughs> I came here because God said to kill Democrats. I'm here. I'm armed. I'm going on my way to Washington, D.C. Amazing. Up. <laughs> yeah, like, we fucked up one time uh, with that Nelson Mandela demon. So we oh, decided yeah. to come to America. I'm here to kill as many liberals as I can. So Amazing. Tell me. You think that God what? made you gay? <laughs> <laughs> Trump Amazing. trained with all the Texans, you know, going crazy. Texans. All the um, trucks just honking and going <laughs> wild. It's so great to see how many patriots there are and so many supporters of just this great movement. Fantastic. And what Fantastic. is it about President Trump that you love so much? Is she even listening? <laughs> Amazing. You Fantastic. can't. You have to. You literally have to dull it out or else out. you will become as insane. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So she, that's why. She just waits till they stop talking and goes, Amazing. All right, well, to guys... be honest, I just started dreaming about him. I am, you know, I have a prophetic gift, and me the Lord too. started speaking to me about him. And in my one dream, I actually did because I'm totally not political. I'm a minister. I travel around the world. You had me fooled. <laughs> he said, shine your light and don't hide it underneath a basket. So I was a wild party girl and had an encounter with No, you were, I, I don't see it. But She's what I loved about this yes. is that I actually, in one of my She's dreams, up. I sat in front of President Trump, and I knew he he was giving me some type of job, you know, I was kind of like, and I said to um, the Lord in my dream, I said, I don't want to lose my ministry for this. Like lady. this guy. And he said, you Wait, won't lose your second. ministry. I just want lady. you to partner with. Lady, what you're describing is carbon monoxide poisoning. <laughs> okay. You, you did not. This is not a real dream that you had. You left check the your oven fucking, on. Check your fucking smoke detectors, lady. <laughs> Insane. Like she, it's so awesome. They're just in many ways. That. There is that. What well, is it? Go ahead. Sorry. No, it's just so awesome that they're like leaning into their like yeah. 
in some instances, possible schizophrenia. Yeah, yeah genuine psychosis. In Waco, yeah. Texas, no other place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. it's like I want to, I want to start a cult uh, around no, Donald awesome. Trump here in Waco, Texas. And that's how we're amassing weapons. That's how you get your bona fides. Like that's that's. Uh, like whoever is the most mentally ill is like the highest <coughs> ranking uh, cult member in the in the Trump universe. Mm. I love it, man. Here is uh, my our uh, we love them the good liars. These guys go out to Trump rallies all the time. Yeah. Well, here here's a fantastic exchange. Uh, always good work by them. Which do you think are more dangerous, uh, drag shows or guns to children? <laughs> drag shows. Obviously. Drag. How many people do you think have been killed at a drag show? Uh. I don't know, but the long-term effects uh, right. are detrimental. Right. How many right, people do you think right. die every year from guns? I have no idea. 48,000. 48,000? Okay. Well, <laughs> there's probably 100,000 that die from drag shows. Got them. <laughs> Which right. do you think are more dangerous? Uh, fucking owned. Why did they post this? They got owned. What do you mean? That's sound. That's that's evidence. Where'd you get the evidence from? I made it up. Came to God me in a dream, told brother. Me, brother. Came to me in a dream. I heard it at the at the... South African MAGA Patriot uh, <laughs> Priestess uh, show. This was wild. They found, uh, uncovered a... Um... Did you... Wait, this is the same woman. This is the same woman who was there being, like, amazing. I oh. love... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She did own this guy pretty fucking I don't hard. think she even meant to. Yeah, no, she accidentally owned she him. She didn't mean to. She was there to just make the craziest people look yeah, cool. Was, uh, RS... Be, whatever the fuck right side is. broadcasting news yeah. uh dub my favorite <laughs> Sorry, channel what the remember fuck? the, what the right no but they they're like they're even beyond like newsmax or oan they they are just if there is just like a trump network it's this like that's all <laughs> yeah. okay okay so this is fucking makes this even more interesting you have to remember she was here to make him look good and this man exposed himself for they do hate valor theft though that's like a big crime it's probably the biggest crime honestly punishable by death so though i don't think she meant to do this this man's wearing a trump 45 hat he's gold let's, let's take did a look at start? what happened i did the craziest Wait, shit marine me too what was your mof i was special oh i see okay oh i flew into places okay where were you places where were you stationed oh, i i uh can't go into detail. Okay. But I can this interview. Wait, there's more. Just we lost internet or some shit. Oh, yeah. He flew into this. Oh wait, no, it is over. I saw a longer version. She flew in. He version. flew into this special place and cut the video. I off. can't talk about it. He cut the feed, brother. She's like, I'm a marine. She's like, really? What's what do we? I can't talk much about that. Where were you I saying? love that. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. I first of all, valor theft is always. Is always good. Okay. It is fun. Yeah. Yeah, I love doing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a veteran of the Korean War. It's like funnier if you do it. Did you for like shit that you clearly are not old enough to be? Here's one last clip, and I'll let you go, Hassan. But uh, okay, this is a bonus clip. Trump explains that if you don't love your children, you don't have to leave them anything. Which is ironic, of course. I think he's... If he's, you're full of the dots, he's, he's trying to say something about it. <laughs> he's not even... I don't even think this is about Eric or Donald. They know they ain't getting nothing in the fucking will, okay? Uh, Tiffany as well. I think this is more so about Ivanka! Oh, he's threatening Ivanka. Wonderful Ivanka. Keep her in line. Well, she, her husband's way richer than he is. So, L. Oh, L. dude. How, how dare you bring that up? <laughs> way richer than Trump up. broke out. Talk to you soon. That's fighting words. I made farmers happy and rich again. Let me go back. And I made farmers happy and rich again. Yes. And they're doing a fantastic job. And you know what? 
Someday it'll become time for them to leave this beautiful earth and they'll be able to leave their farm <laughs> without taxes yes. to their children. Yes. I got rid of the death tax on farms. Ridiculous. Second so angle, that when folks. you do pass away, on the assumption that you love your children, <laughs> you can leave it to them and they won't have to pay tax. Can you pause for a second? But if you don't love your children, I don't want so to. As, I don't want to assume you love your kids. Wait, before we even get to the funny part of this, like, I hate, I, I the it's the so death awesome. tax or the estate tax uh, eligibility is so fucking high. Do you want to know how many Americans were uh, impacted by the the uh, estate tax? How many during when uh, Donald Trump even increased the price floor higher? Fifteen thousand. That's not a lot. Yeah. 15, <laughs> Wait, what is what's the what's the floor on that? Uh I believe what did it go from? I think was it 10 million? Exactly. Like it's Well, you have to have a 10 million dollar property to be eligible? Uh it's presently 12 million for individuals, 24 million for Americans. You have couple. to have to sell a 12 million dollar property? Like or 24 if this you're married. This talking yeah. about farms. Yeah, the yeah. gift and estate uh, estate tax exemption now is uh, twelve point nine two million dollars, or twenty five point eighty four million per uh, married couple. Yeah, that's like super fucking rich. That's fifteen thousand Americans total. <laughs> like that's that. insane. But None of those dumbasses at the fucking Trump rally are in that. They're not. not Trump close. himself barely makes the fucking <laughs> metric, dude. I just that's incredible how he spins that. All of you good old Americans but on your not, farms. But it's not him. This is not him that that uh, spins it like that. This is every Republican. That's Trump is crazy. just a more effective interlocutor. He's more effective at communicating this uh, and and basically uh, articulating it in a way that it like it, it corresponds to the desires of the average American citizen who think that they have that kind of money. That's awesome. Yeah. So that when you do pass away, on the assumption that you love your children, <clears throat> you can leave it to them and they won't have to pay tax. But if you don't love your children so much, and there are some people that don't, and maybe deservedly so, <laughs> what it fuck? won't matter. Because frankly, you don't have to leave them anything. Thank you very much. What the fuck? That was like a so unnecessary tangent yeah. about how he's threatening let's say, kids. Let's say they go back to polite liberal society and decide to go to the cocktail parties and say, I no longer want to work with Donald Trump. Donald J. Trump, the greatest president. Then <laughs> yeah. you don't bring him, you don't leave them anything, folks. He's the best, man. This yeah. is exciting to see him back in form. This is nice. This I is thought, good content. I thought it, 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 it might also just be a matter of him trying to connect with his audience of old boomers whose kids hate them and don't talk to them anymore. Uh, like back to American values. Yeah, oh, uh, that too, for sure. For sure. <laughs> As you know, uh, many of you hate your children, and I get it. Your children have gone no contact. I get it. I get it. American values, nuclear family. And by nuclear, I mean we're blowing it up. Thank you. Yeah. All right. That's it. What, that's a, it. what a nice episode this we had. Episode. Thank you, Hassan. Good times. Good times. Professor The Wolf, whose info's in the description. It Follow is. him. Hit him up. Tell him we want you back on Leftovers. He was great. He was wonderful. Permanent third co-host. Love that. <laughs> Us and The Wolf. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he'd be down. We to called do the that. wolf. He's a busy guy, but I oh, would come love. Come on, that. what could be more important than this? Ask Dick. Ask. Ask Professor Dick, Dick Wolf. <laughs> ask, I thought you said ass and dick is more. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. 
Thank you, everybody. We'll see y'all tomorrow for Friday. It's Friday, baby. Yes. Woo!